1600 rockoftalk.com. I'm Eddie Aragon, The Rock of Talk here for another edition of the Dr. William Summers Show. Life Imagined here for a Saturday midday. And as always, we enjoy Dr. Summers being here, offering his uh, wisdom each and every week in the Kiva. He's our resident doctor, uh, if you will. And as always, uh, you can go ahead and uh, text or call in directly, 550-5500 here on this uh, beautiful Saturday. A little bit colder, uh, Mr. Summers, Dr. Summers hails in from coming from a little foot of snow uh, out on the other side of La Montañas uh, there. And uh, Dr. Summers is uh, here in the Kiva this afternoon. How are you, Dr. Summers? Excellent. Boy, do we need the moisture. Bring the snow on. Actually, we'll take some rain, too. Anything that uh, puts some moisture into the soil. My goodness. Dr. Summers has a bit of a green thumb. He likes wet soil, and he likes things to grow out of the ground. Lots to cover here in this edition of the Dr. William Summers Show here for this 29th of January. Uh, of course, uh, we'll get into health. That's what the whole show's about. Yeah, a little arthritis. Statin, and, little uh, statin risk, I guess we got. Yeah, we're going to touch on that, and we'll touch on relief factor. Relief factor. Gyrate atrophy. Also, yes, uh, a rare history, disorder. History you're not supposed to know, including the Magna Carta, the great document of the uh, 12th century. Uh, COVID-19 update. Uh, we'll get into a main doc who suspended. Also, Vaxxed versus non-vaxxed. I am not vaxxed, and nor will I be. Health hacks, including the arthritis, as well as that relief factor. And we always kick off the show with quotes and quips for the week, Dr. Summers. Yeah, and I wanted to congratulate you on a show you did earlier this week, uh, where you noted that uh, certain humans were assigning you a certain pathway after your death. And I always like to look at things that delineate between us humans, us mere mortals, and heaven. And this is a saying, an old country saying, that with patience, anyone can count the seeds in an apple, but only God can count the apples in a seed. Ah, I like that. That's Let's good. roll that one by again. With patience, anyone can count the seeds in an apple, but only God can count the apples in a seed. I like it. <laughs> good one, Dr. Summers. Yeah, and here's one that I borrowed from Ellen DeGeneres, who said, you know, we all have to stay in shape. Take my grandmother, who started walking five miles a day when she was a mere 60 years of age. She's now 97 years old, and we don't know where the hell she is. <laughs> Can That's I say funny. that? <laughs> Ellen DeGeneres does have her humorous moments, I must say. But in these troubled times, folks, remember, fear is a reaction. Courage is a decision. And the purpose of the show is? To educate and empower you, the listener. Don't forget, folks, you can pick up your memory revitalizer and your life imagine at local stores, including Sharon Care Pharmacy in Belen, Durant Central Pharmacy, Sam's Regent Pharmacy, Best Buy Pharmacy, Manal Pharmacy. How about the Evergreen Herbal Market in Rio Rancho? Why not head on out to Moses Country Store, a good friend Moses on 4th Street, Village Apothecary in Cedar Crest, Care Drug in Aztec, and Sierra de Blanca Pharmacy in Ruidoso, New Mexico. You can also go to the website, memoryvitalizer.net. That's memoryvitalizer.net. Lifelink.com or order direct. 800-606-0192. That's 800-606-0192. Let's jump into it. Uh, Albuquerque Neuroscience. We'll do a little plug for them as well, Dr. Summers. Yeah, doing that's, good work. Yeah, it's my part-time job. There are a couple of studies over there. We're looking for a few good people between the age of 18 and 75 with moderate to severe depression. 
and they're testing a new, and I would say highly active antidepressant against placebo. So you could be part of science and help the cause if you've been depressed for the past six months to a year and you're just not making much headway, give a call to Albuquerque Neurosciences at 505-848-3773. Also, they're doing two studies on people with possible Alzheimer's disease. Those would be people between the ages of 50 and 87. The 88-year-olds need not apply. I don't know why that is. But at any rate, uh, they must have a caregiver or a loved one who helps them participate with trips. They get a, a free and complete evaluation and uh, answer any questions. Is it Alzheimer's? Is it not Alzheimer's? And they get a trial. 50% of them will be on the active agents. And these two trials, in my opinion, do have great promise to be helpful for Alzheimer's disease. You know, that new drug they put out and was approved by the FDA over the objections of their blue ribbon panel, uh, it uh, gets rid of beta amyloid in the brain. The only problem is their memory doesn't get any better. You would think that would be a feature that they'd want to deal with. We've talked oftentimes about that, Dr. Summers, about the... Uh uh, the uh, car accident and the police officers uh, that are always there. And you would think it was the police officers who caused that. And that's what uh, Dr. Summers refers to when it comes to the beta amyloids. Is that not correct? Yeah, the beta amyloid is Mother Nature's uh, attempt to try to straighten things out and bring homeostasis back to the brain. It's not your enemy. It's your friend. And when you design a drug to get rid of the beta amyloid, uh, you're creating problems for people with Alzheimer's. You're letting the genie out of the bottle, and it's a malicious genie. Anyway, on to health hacks, right, let's Eddie? Let's do it. Yeah, we got to do the health hacks, and let's jump right into it. Uh, 550-50-500 or 266-1600. If uh, you want to go ahead and call in, you can text in at 550-50-500. Yep, let's kick it right off with Relief Factor. Yeah, people uh, ask me a lot about Relief Factor. In fact, I've had a couple of patients who've used it. Uh, some people are it's helped by. Uh, the components are fish oil, resveratrol, which is uh, grape pip, or the stuff between your toes after you mash the grapes at the end of the harvest. Uh, and uh, that's also a component, incidentally, in memory revitalizer. Curcumin, which is uh, turmeric. And they have Icarian, which is an extremely active flavonoid uh, that grows in China. It's been known by several different names besides Icarian. Probably the most dramatic is horny goat weed. Uh, <laughs> but it's also known as barren wart or bishop's hat or even fairy wings. And the flower of this particular uh, plant actually does everything from improve ED... Uh, to improve cardiovascular issues, and it does have uh, some anti-inflammatory properties. So it's a broad-spectrum antioxidant, and, of course, Memory Revitalizer has 36 antioxidants in it. But if you wanted your relief factor to work a little better, add some ginger and put pepper on your uh, table and use that as your principal spice around the house as pepper because that would make... The curcumin and relief factor work better. And, of course, you could always add memory revitalizer, which I would hypothesize 
would make the relief factor actually work better. But let's talk about other essential oils that uh, would be beneficial to arthritis. Bay leaf is. Yep, you use it in your cooking. You use it in your spaghetti sauce. You use it in your crock pot. Put your bay leaf in at the very last minute to get the most medicinal effect because bay leaf actually is a combined anti-inflammatory and it suppresses pain in the body in general. Now, lemon peel, in fact, most citrus peels, even orange peel, uh, reduce joint inflammation. So if you're drinking coffee, put a little bit of lemon peel in it if you have arthritis. And then let's talk about frankincense and myrrh. Those are two spices from the Middle East. The frankincense is a potent anti-inflammatory, and it relieves muscular aches and pains. And myrrh is actually a... Uh, pain reliever and uh, has something that approaches, uh, hits the opioid receptor, although it's not an opiate itself. And of course, it turns out tea tree oil relieves pain and inflammation as well. But in my office, we put together a uh, magic formula called Bill's Lotion that has seven components, four of which were herbs, including frankincense, myrrh, St. John's wort, and arnica. But we also toss in three different prescription medicines, ketoprofen, ketamine, and lidocaine. It is a prescription that is available for my patients only. Very potent stuff, works on low back pain, knee, hip pain, joint pains in general. Even use it for carpal tunnel syndrome, syndrome pain and uh, trigger thumb, and with great effect. So uh, there are various local things you can use for arthritis, and people should be aware of this. All right, Dr. Summers. Those, uh, you did uh, say that uh, that prescription is available through you. How could people make a, uh, an appointment with you? Well, you call 505-878-0192, and you will get Margaret. And she is my girl Friday who does everything, and she'll set it up. That easy, folks. All right. Other arthritis ideas for essential oil include? Well, um, you know, you can use some cedar wood. Um, There's some oils such as cedar wood that they think uh, which improves circulation. You simply put drops of that in a, an aerolyzer, you know, to fill the room with the scent of lemon or the scent of frankincense, and all of a sudden your arthritis is better. I don't know how effective that is. I personally don't use that, but I do have patients who do and swear by it. Yeah, let's move on to COVID. It's all the talk for We're all what, ready for a COVID years. update all, so quickly. Okay. Well, you know, I've been covering a lot of it all week uh, long, uh, Dr. Summers, and you, I'm not going to jump ahead of you, but I will fill in because uh, we're pretty, as you know, Dowd and I are pretty in-depth on the, those topics. Yes. Well, the question is vaccinated versus unvaccinated folks. Who are the super spreaders? And now I'm going to ask you and the audience, listen very carefully. Vaccinated people can still get the virus, but they have milder symptoms, minimal symptoms, or in some cases, no symptoms while they have the disease. But when you get sick, the vaccinated people have the same viral load as the unvaccinated people, 
and they shed infectious particles at the same rate as the unvaccinated person. But because they have mild, minimal, or no symptoms, they are the super spreaders that are walking amongst you, creating your illnesses. So, so much for the, uh, if you're vaccinated, you're cool, or you are smarter, or more hip, or something. The vaccinated people in our population are the super spreaders. I just thought I'd make that point. There you go. Uh <laughs> In fact, there's a, a little uh, earlier information this week on our Tuesday show. Uh, let me kind of uh, go through this because it was a large uh, peer-reviewed uh, study talking about ivermectin. So, you know, this happened in a port That's city. That's the co- Brazilian one, That's right? That's correct, a Tajai, yeah. yeah. And it found yeah. that regular use of ivermectin as a prophylactic was associated with significantly reduced COVID-19 inf- infection. One of the great things about this is this was done from July through December of 2020, where they had 224,000 citizens for the study, 160,000 participated, 70% opted to take it, and they found a 44% reduction in COVID-19 infection rates in favor of the group that took ivermectin. Uh, And the regular use of preventative ivermectin led to a 68% reduction in COVID-19 mortality and a 56% reduction in the hospitalization rate. Now we had 60 million doses, If I don't know if I'm correct in saying that, of ivermectin that were essentially housed and kept from the uh, the population of the United States. Is that yeah, not correct? Yeah, quarantined by the FDA for emergencies, you understand, yeah. along with hydroxychloroquine, 50 million doses, in a warehouse somewhere near Rockville, Maryland. And But if there's an emergency, they're ready to issue it, Eddie. Yeah. <laughs> they're all so, ready. So there you go. If they really wanted us to be better and they knew this, they would have known that ivermectin would have been the uh, better way to go. I, of course, am unvaccinated, and uh, it's uh, kind of disturbing information that's coming out because in Israel there are 427,023 active COVID cases, making it the country with the highest number of cases per capita, Second, uh, or uh, ahead of Slovenia, who's number number two, and uh, 84% of those people that are in the hospital are vaccinated. One of the things about Israel, it's the most vaccinated place in the world. And, of course, uh, the, you're talking about the Oh My God variant, aren't you? Yeah, right. <laughs> what great. is this new one? They now have a new one they're going to scare yeah, us Yeah, so this is the uh, the latest one that's 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 coming out. We talked about it uh, earlier in the week, and I thought this was uh, the uh, mutation called BA.2. Which um, stands for Run for the Hills variant. Uh, yeah, so they had uh, <laughs> these viruses are constantly mutating. Remember, we are literally vaccinating into the, uh, the, the the change now. So BA2, BA1 is what's spreading across the street, and now they have BA2. I guess BA BA2. is for bad. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, Omicron continues to spread, they said, and if it stays in the dominant strain, we'll continue to see more and more sublineages is what they're calling it. It's not even a variant. It's a sublineage. It doesn't appear to be more deadly. People should be cautious. People should have a level of concern, but uh, that's it. But uh, alpha, beta, epsilon, delta, omicron, uh, all of it should be taken seriously, according to health officials, Dr. Summers. So I guess the question now is, how long before someone with COVID-19 isn't contagious? Yeah, health officials recommend now isolating for 5 to 10 days. The original recommendation was 14 days. 
and so the question is, in fact, I had a patient ask it of me, and that is, how long are you infectious or contagious when you have the COVID-19? And the answer is really not horribly clear. But experts say that the window of highest infectivity is two days prior to symptoms. In other words, when you're asymptomatic, you are in a contagious person. And once you get symptoms, for the first three days after symptom onset, you are most infectious. And, of course, you can be infectious out towards 10 days. But it's variable from case to case. But that window of two days prior to symptoms to three days after symptom onset, anybody you're in contact with during that five-day period, you ought to give them a call and say, hey, I just did you a favor. You owe me a Starbucks or something like that. Because the best thing to do here, folks, is get your natural immunity by getting the disease and then treating it aggressively. And speaking of treating it aggressively, there's a 25-year-old doctor in the state of Maine by the name of Dr. Merrill Nass. And she has been disciplined by the Maine Board of Medical Licensure with a 30-day suspension because she was treating patients with hydroxychloroquine and she was treating them with ivermectin. And she was saying things like, this might help you. And the Board of Medicine is saying that's misinformation about coronavirus. And she was also not a big fan of the vaccine. So the Board of Medicine of the state of Maine is going to punish this lady with a 30-day suspension. But it gets worse. They demand that she submit to a psychological evaluation for her alleged offenses. In other words, this is Soviet Russia. We'll declare her as insane. I mean, what is this world coming to, Eddie? Uh, it's is, come to this uh, is scary. COVIDiacy everywhere. Yeah. And what is with this National Guard is going to be or the teachers for our young skulls full of mush or kindergartners <laughs> yeah, are going to be taught we're by, gonna, by we're the We're in National the Army Guard. now. We're, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's pretty... I mean, what do they teach? How to hit the target? Uh, yeah, right. Gun safety? Yeah, I thought uh, at least one of the things we'll be able to do is get people to go ahead and uh, put prayer and maybe... Uh, um, you know, salute of uh, our Pledge of Allegiance back in school. That would be good because the National Guard will bring, well, certainly respect for our country back into the classroom. And what is with the teachers? They're so afraid of the oh my God and the head for the hills variant. Oh, but they'll complain about the fact that they're working harder than ever, but they won't go back to school. No, no, it's hardly working, Eddie. Yes. You got it backwards. There you go. What's up is down, <laughs> what side is. You know, it's just all sorts of crazy it's new everywhere. Speak. It's newspeak. Yeah. <laughs> it's right out of 1984. But as we sit here, we're on the verge of getting two new FDA-approved drugs, which will be pushed at us, I'm sure, with uh, state uh, advertising. Monoprofar, which is Mercamectin, and then Paxlovid, which is Pfizermectin. These are both drugs that are... Uh, variants of ivermectin. And, of course, the propaganda that's being put out by these two drug companies, most especially Merck, is that their stuff works, but there's no evidence that ivermectin is effective. Well, Eddie, you just gave us one recent study out of Brazil. But if you look at the literature, there's 65 peer-reviewed articles showing ivermectin is quite effective against right. COVID-19. 
And they also spread the uh, propaganda. Ivermectin was just an anti-parasitic drug. Well, i got news. Pfizer-mectin and Merck-mectin will both be very effective anti-parasitic drugs as well because they work in the same molecular way from a pharma- pharmacologic point of view. They inhibit viral propagation uh, by getting rid of an enzyme uh, that, uh, you know, cleaves uh, the viral particles, the baby uh, RNA into uh, baby RNA uh, particles that are the right size to spread the disease, the proteases. This is a class of uh, drugs that uh, actually goes back to the AIDS days. So protease inhibitors are in, folks. And ivermectin and uh, mercmectin and pfizermectin. The biggest difference is a course of ivermectin is 20 bucks. A course of pfizermectin and mercmectin, I understand, is five to seven hundred dollars. Wow, someone's yeah, making a little some difference. money. <laughs> a little Let's difference get into there. some of the, the, the propaganda that's being pushed. Yeah. The propaganda, again, that they their big selling points is, oh, ivermectin, there's no studies. That's just a flat-out lie. <clears throat> ivermectin is antiparasitic, but so is their product going to be. And they will, well, frankly, don't be fooled, folks. Go for the $20 flavor. It'll work just as well. But I wanted to point out that uh, the uh, government, your government that wants you dead, the one that insists that if you get a prescription for hydroxychloroquine or ivermectin, that the doctor has to put a diagnosis on the prescription pad or the pharmacist is not supposed to fill it. And that is a violation of the whole philosophy of HIPAA. Uh, The pharmacist isn't really to know the diagnosis for which the doctor is treating the patient because 50 to 70% of the time when doctors write prescriptions, it's so-called off-label. It's not for the original indication for the drug. But the other thing is if you actually put on that hydroxychloroquine prescription that it is for COVID-19, the pharmacist is also instructed not to fill it. And is that not an unsubtle message, your government wants you dead? Very, very discouraging, Eddie, very discouraging. And, and what's going on with this whole business of the federal government is cutting off the EULA, which is the Emergency Youth, Author, Youth Use Authorization. I'm getting tongue-tied here. Emergency Use Authorization for monoclonal antibodies. And uh, so uh, Florida and uh, Ron DeSantos has objected to the federal government. Why are you cutting off our monoclonal antibody? Uh, you know, supply, and they've had to close down the sites that they were giving that to people who got COVID in Florida. In fact, I believe Florida has uh, dropped a lawsuit on the FDA to open up that avenue of treating uh, uh, COVID. And, And the monoclonal antibody around here, I think there are a lot of folks I've run into who've received it and done quite well. I don't know. Is it still available? I haven't heard. I don't know. Week. I don't know if it is or if it isn't because uh, I'm not using it. I use my oregano oil, my lung support, my OSHA. Uh, I take my uh, memory revitalizer every single day. 
I drink plenty of uh, water, as you know, uh, Dr. Summers. Yeah. That's all you need. You won't need the monoclonal antibodies uh, if you are in great it health. Should and you're taking, it, it should, should be, be available. available. It should be available, but you shouldn't need it. Uh, yeah. You know, this isn't. I think we still have to sort of talk and discuss, I think, more seriously uh, about how serious Omicron is or how serious Delta is or and just realize that your survivability rate is pretty high and how much better you are by being infected by it because of the well, antibodies that you create. Minimal eight months, quite likely for a lifetime, but uh, as Dr. Eden has stated, more than 17 years. Well, definitely more than 17 years, as the Israelis demonstrated, but as was demonstrated in 2003, in looking at survivors of the 1918 flu, they were still making antibodies 90 years later. But I wanted to kind of mention a case I ran into this week of a gentleman who I know had COVID-19 about a year, year and a half ago. He got a little flu-like syndrome, and there is a respiratory syncytial virus running around the community. He didn't do well, had some respiratory issues, went down to a uh, famous local university hospital, of which I believe there's only one, and they isolated him from his family and declared it was covid uh, and therefore, the family couldn't go in and be supportive of this gentleman, and they decided they were going to give him some steroids, and I gained the impression they gave him a very high dose of dexamethasone, and in an elderly person, high-dose dexamethasone creates what we call a delirium, and he very emphatically said, I don't want to be intubated, I don't want to be on a respirator. But once you put them, but I will accept the uh, steroids. Well, if you put a person on very high-dose steroids, they get delirious. You can say anything you want to. If you keep the family from visiting, they're basically uh, defenseless. And they could say, well, he wanted intubation after all. I don't know how that one's going to come out, Eddie, but uh, he's in my prayers. Yeah, I think uh, we are at a a particular point of insanity as well because of the uh, vaccinations. And I wanted to refer you to this, uh, Dr. Summers, and get your uh, quick thoughts uh, on on this story. Um, <clears throat> this is something. Boston Hospital takes dying patient off heart transplant list because he's unvaccinated. David Ferguson told WBZ this week that his 31-year-old son, DJ Ferguson's heart, has deteriorated to the point that it'll no longer work on its own. He was the first in line to receive a heart transplant, yet because of his unvaccinated status, the hospital ruled that he was no longer eligible for the transplant. I think they have stripped the man of his rights, and that's called rationing. And we were assured under Obamacare that would never happen, but of course that always happens in socialized medicine. If he was a party member, uh, that he gets vaccinated, so he gets the uh, heart transplant. But if he is unvaccinated, he's not a Communist Party member, and therefore he doesn't get the uh, heart transplant. It's entirely political. It has become that. Uh, it has become uh, definitely that. 550-5500. You want to go ahead and uh, text in. You want to get your memory revitalizer in your life, imagine. We will not restrict that from you. We will not say uh, it's for vaccinated and unvaccinated people. <laughs> uh, local stores, including Sharon Care Pharmacy in Berlin, Durand Central Pharmacy, Sam's Region Pharmacy, Best Buy Pharmacy, Manal Pharmacy, Evergreen Herbal Market, Rio Rancho, Moses Country Store on 4th Street, Village Apothecary in Cedar Crest, Care Drug in Aztec, and Sierra Blanca Pharmacy in Rio Doso. 
Also, memoryvitalizer.net, lifelink.com, or pick up the phone and dial direct, 800-606-0192. That's 800-606-0192. Not sure, Dr. Summers, if you want to cover uh, Paxlovid again or if we can uh, move on to more. Yeah, let's move on to statin risk. Um, All right, let's do it. You know, statins are, of course, the main course of trying to uh, stop the dreaded cholesterol that uh, some of my colleagues uh, believe uh, is the cause of all cardiovascular disease is the evil chemical cholesterol. I don't hold that point of view. But they do finally, after 20 or 30 years, agree that statins represent a toxic risk if you take it. And here's a little notice I saw floating through the Internet that I think is uh, useful. And uh, the notice says, before flushing the toilet, folks, check the color of your urine if you're on a statin. Because there is a deadly complication of statins known as rhabdomyolysis. What does that mean? Well, that means that the statins literally destroy your muscles. And as your muscles come apart, they go into the bloodstream. The chemical remains of your muscles go into the bloodstream. And the myoglobin comes out in the urine and creates a urine that is a dark color, perhaps the color of tea or even a Coca-Cola colored dark urine. If that's happening, you are probably suffering from damaged muscles. A good friend of mine uh, Dwayne Gavilan, who was the uh, only physician to ever be an astronaut, <coughs> died of uh, rhabdomyolysis uh, and statin complications that put him in a wheelchair. So, folks, if you're on a statin, look for that little telltale sign. It is very important. But let's talk a minute about diabetes. It diabetes. Is, I should probably uh, keep returning to diabetes because it's such a a phenomenally big target. I mean, 34.2 million Americans have known diabetes. But there are an additional 7.3 million Americans who have diabetes, but it's undiagnosed. And so I want to urge people to get their annual blood exam and to look for a hemoglobin A1C, which will tell you, do you have diabetes or don't you, in a rather definitive fashion. But let's talk about the 88 million people who are Americans who are pre-diabetic. They don't quite have diabetes yet, but if they stay on their same dietary course, they will be officially become diabetic shortly. And that's 34.5% of all of the American adults. That is roughly one out of three folks have prediabetes. Well, let's break it down by age. One in four or 24% of people between the ages of 18 and 44 are prediabetic. And between the ages of 45 and 64 years, Four in 10 people have prediabetes. And if you're over 65, approximately one in two people, more precisely 46.6% of people are prediabetic. So if you're over 65, you got almost a 50-50 chance 
of being a pre-diabetic. So start reviewing your diet and be sure you get at least an annual hemoglobin A1C to see how that's coming along for you. And it turns out men are more susceptible to diabetes than women, but I maintain that men have more Krispy Kreme addictions than women. I think that's a sex-driven problem, the Krispy <laughs> Kreme addiction. <laughs> I certainly suffer from it. Well, uh, Krispy Kremes are great. Um, does they are tasty for the sure. Inducement <laughs> of, uh, does the in inducement of diabetes in your life, uh, does that have more to do with the amount of simple sugars you have or anything like that? Yeah, Gary Taub wrote a brilliant book uh, called The Case for Sugar, A Case Against Sugar, a number of years ago. He's the uh, science writer for the New York Times. The only thing good that's come out of the New York Times is Gary Taub's books. And he walks through unequivocally, it is the uh, introduction of sugar into the Western diet that has brought about the uh, scourge and the uh, uh, epidemic of diabetes and also dental problems, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I might add cardiovascular disease as well. You can trace back to our love of cakes and uh, pies and candies, et cetera. There you go. You got yeah. uh, all that answered. Tell us about something called Helicobacter pylori. Yeah, Helicobacter pylori is a fascinating story that uh, led to a Nobel Prize by two Australians, Barry Marshall and Robert Warren, who in 1982 came across a type of bacteria that loved to swim in acid. It uh, really enjoyed uh, playing around in pH 2, which is really nasty stuff, but it turns out that's the pH or the acid content of the human stomach. <clears throat> and it's a funny looking bacteria, it's gram negative. When you put uh, gentian violet on it, it turns purple, making it gram negative. And it's a spiral uh, bacteria. It looks like a corkscrew. And that shape actually helps it. It's called a helical shape. And the corkscrew allows it to penetrate the lining of the stomach and establish infections. And these infections in the stomach uh, lead to peptic ulcers. Down the road, if they're untreated, they lead to some really nasty stuff, including stomach cancer, esophageal cancer, colon cancer, and rectal cancer. And even some tissues around the eye can be infected with the helicobacter, strangely enough. And typically, H. pylori infections in your gut leave no symptoms whatsoever. And everybody thought it was an innocent thing until Barry Marshall did a rather dramatic uh, presentation where he took a beaker full of uh, cultured helicobacter. He uh, had an endoscopy where they went down, took pictures of his esophagus and stomach, <clears throat> and then he swallowed this uh, beaker full of uh, helicobacter pylori, and they repeated the endoscopy, and I think it was an hour later and 24 hours later, and they showed intense irritation of the esophagus and stomach and ulceration of the stomach shortly after his ingestion of a beaker full of uh, Helicobacter pylori. 
And for this work, the duo received the Nobel Prize, and rightly, uh, rightly earned, I might say. And again, H. pylori frequently has no symptoms, but you can get gastritis, and it is the cause of the great majority of ulcers in the stomach. It turns out 50% of the world's population does have H. pylori in their upper gastrointestinal tract. And how do you diagnose it? Well, there's several different ways. There's a blood antibody test. You just take a blood sample and look for your antibodies to H. pylori. You can also look at stools and look for the characteristic uh, chemicals created by the H. pylori in your stools. But the gold standard is similar to the burp test we've talked about here on the show a number of times. But the gold standard is called the urea breath test. And what happens here is you take a beaker full of uh, labeled urea with uh, carbon-14, carbon-13 labeled, and you drink that, and you leave it uh, sloshing around your tummy, and the uh, H. pylori metabolizes that and creates carbon dioxide, which uh, creates sort of a burp, and you can detect that. That is the gold standard for do you have an H. pylori uh, infection in the upper gut. Now, this is a tough bug, i got to tell you. It is quite contagious, even though we don't know the exact route of transmission, but it does travel from one person to the other. So if one person of a couple is diagnosed with H. pylori, one should probably assume the other person minimally has been exposed and quite possibly has it. But the treatment is rather rigorous. It's rather difficult. You have to use two or three antibiotics at the same time over an extended period of time, two weeks. <coughs> Frequently, one uses clathromycin or amoxicillin. To that, you add flagyl or tetracycline. I happen to like Tindamax, which is tenadazole, uh, to take the place of the flagyl, but you have to use two or three antibiotics for a two-week course. To that, you add suppression of the stomach acid. You don't just take the Prilosec once a day, which a lot of folks do. The lawyers, incidentally, are trying to sue the pants out for the drug company. But you have to take the Prilosec twice a day. Now, remember, when you take Prilosec, it really only suppresses your stomach acid 40%. It doesn't totally knock it out in the uh, middle doses, even in the high doses, only about a 40% suppression of the acid. And it only does it for about uh, 10 to 12 hours. So you have to take it twice a day, suppress the acid in the stomach, and that makes it a hostile environment for the H. pylori. But here's the other dirty little trick that the Australians came up with, Barry Marshall specifically, and that is Pepto-Bismol. Yeah, bismuth is a heavy metal, and the H. pylori doesn't know what to do with it. It can't chew on it, and apparently if it does chew on it, it kills the bacteria. So frequently when I'm trying to treat this, it's two weeks with two to three antibiotics, and I always add Pepto-Bismol. Anyway, so that's H. pylori. And recent studies, you know, for some time there was a big debate about, you know, does H. pylori, if you get rid of the infection, does it actually stop you from having 
you know, uh, these uh, cancers that go down the road in the esophagus or the colon or in the stomach. And they just didn't know if you killed the bacteria had you uh, prevented the cancer. More recent studies say, yes, eradication of H. pylori reduces the incident of gastric adenocarcinoma and really all of the other carcinomas and cancers related to this bug. All right, folks, don't forget to get your memory vitalizer and your life imagine as well as your coffee every single day. Give us a quick update on that in a second, uh, Dr. Summers. Yeah. You can get it at local stores, including Sharon Care Pharmacy in Berlin, Durant Central Pharmacy, Sam's Regent Pharmacy, Highland Pharmacy, Best Buy Pharmacy, Manal Pharmacy. How about the Evergreen Herbal Market, Rear Rancho, Moses Country Store on 4th Street, Village Apothecary in Cedar Crest, Care Drug in Aztec, Sierra Blanca Pharmacy in Rodoso, or... Pick up the phone, dial direct, 800-606-0192, 800-606-0192, or you can go to memoryvitalizer.netlifelink.com. How about some history we're not supposed to know before we do so? Why do we need coffee, Dr. Summers? <laughs> well, I mean, I've got so many nice things I like to say about coffee, but Eddie, you've got something in mind. Incidentally, Eric and I were talking about when we do a live show, perhaps we should go out to some of these uh, yes. people that carry revitalizer like Moses. We did that once. We that did a it a show. few times, yeah. And you might remember that uh, at that point uh, we, we had somebody who might be in the air uh, causing more COVID out there. So uh, that's why we pulled back on that at the time. Um, yeah, it's very interesting. Coffee helps you uh, more ways than uh, one. You've always talked about its health impacts and you live longer with coffee, right? Absolutely. Furthermore, it suppresses the likelihood of getting diabetes by years. So if you have prediabetes and don't drink coffee, it would be helpful to add coffee to your regime to put off the day when you cross that threshold from prediabetic to actual diabetes. And it's a good uh, fluid to keep awake. It uh, tickles the kidneys. And uh, helps there. I mean, it's a broad-spectrum antibiotic in its own right. And as such, it is uh, associated with a lot less cancer and people getting to be an older age. There you go. All right, uh, Dr. Summers, how about history we're not supposed to know? Yeah, I want to talk about and really dedicate this topic to the 39 defendants that are still in the Washington, D.C. jail whose big violation was trespassing in the Capitol building on January 6th, which I believe is a misdemeanor. I don't know, but uh, I hear that those people are being treated as if they were terrorists, <coughs> oftentimes uh, confined to their prison cell for 22 out of 24 hours, uh, not treated uh, with privileges unless they submit to vaccines, a whole bunch of abuses of these folks. And I want to go back in history to a thing called the Magna Carta Libertum. It means the charter, the great charter of freedom. And the Magna Carta was originally signed on June 15th in 1215, 1215. And it was signed between King John of England, who was the Joe Biden of his day. Uh, he was a rather abusive guy that was incompetent in his old get-out. Kept getting himself into fights with the French people. Ran out of money. 
and uh, was trying to hit up the barons, uh, the uh, nobility of England, to pay for his misdeeds in France. And at Runnymede near Windsor in England, they sat down on June 15th and a document penned by the Archbishop of Canterbury, uh, Stephen Langdon, uh, sat down and laid out a set of principles called the Magna Carta. And those principles were you had a right to church. You were protected because John was Catholic and the barons were Protestant. And you had protection from illegal imprisonment, such as the 39 people being held in the Washington, D.C. jail. And you had access to swift justice. And many of the people in the D.C. jail have been sitting there for a possible misdemeanor for one year. Uh, and there were limitations on feudal payments to the crown. In other words, you could not give taxation without representation. And there was a council of 25 barons who were going to monitor this part of things, and that grew into what we call parliament. And uh, the king uh, in 1215, King John, signed this document. Uh, he wasn't happy about it, so he appealed to his friend Pope Innocent III, who wasn't so innocent, and Pope Innocent III tried to reach out and say, I annul that document. And this led to the first Barons' War in England, which lasted from 1215 through 1217. Uh, John died shortly thereafter, and his son Henry III reissued the Magna Carta in 1216. But the war continued until 1217, and the peace treaty at the uh, place called Lamberth, uh, England, had as part of the peace treaty the actual Magna Carta, and it, at that point uh, in time uh, acquired the name, the Magna Carta. And that is the basis for many American freedoms, many of which are being violated as we sit here, Eddie, Yep. Uh, against the uh, the 39 defendants of the so-called uh, you know January 6th insurrection how could, how did they dare call that an insurrection there were some people running over to the capitol building to let their thoughts be known to their representatives that they had elected at the at the worst i can think of it would be called trespass well i think uh, looking at it uh, from their uh, standpoint, which is totally propagandized and leveraging it uh, towards uh, conservatives and making them, them seem it's easy to demonize and villainize a, a group of people. Um, the spectacle uh, in and of itself was enough to go ahead and dress it up in uh, malintent. And that's basically all they need. And that's all you need to go ahead and create propaganda. And that's what's been done. So unfortunately, um, we know this all too well. We've seen them leverage this uh, to the hilt, and they're doing it uh, with this, uh, regardless of what the uh, actual facts or the truth is of what the, the situation uh, is or was uh, back on January 6th of uh, 2020. Uh, by the way, folks, you can pick up your memory, or 2021. By the way, folks, you can bet your memory revitalizer your life imagine at local stores, including Share and Care Pharmacy in Belen. Best Buy Pharmacy, Manol Pharmacy, Evergreen Herbal Market, 
Uh, how about the Apothecary in Cedar Crest, Care Drug in Aztec, and Sierra Blanca Pharmacy in Rudos, New Mexico, Addison Drug in Fort Sumner as well. Ooh. Uh, how about MemoryVitalizer.net, LifeLink.com, or order direct 800-606-0192. That's 800-606-0192. One more plug for Albuquerque Neuroscience, uh, yeah. Dr. Summers. Yeah, Albuquerque Neuroscience is looking for a few good but somewhat depressed people who have been depressed six to uh, six months to a year with moderate to severe depression who would be willing to help science and, to some extent, the pharmaceutical industry with a study they're doing with a very active antidepressant versus uh, placebo. Uh, and we've got a few slots left there. The uh, second thing that is available at Albuquerque Neuroscience, uh, their telephone number is 505-848-3773. Again, 505-848-3773. And the second set of studies is two different studies for people with probable Alzheimer's disease uh, between the ages of 50 and 87. They do a full workup on these people and to the best possible way definitively say this is or this is not Alzheimer's. All expenses for this uh, very comprehensive evaluation are paid. And uh, these two uh, particular drug candidates, I think, are going to prove to be very helpful for people with Alzheimer's as opposed to what the pharmaceutical industry has come up with over the past 30 years or so. Shall we move on to gyrate, gyrate atrophy? Yeah, what, yes. what is gyrate atrophy? Well, I have a patient who has it, so it stimulated me to toss it into the show. And it is a relatively rare genetic disorder that affects the metabolism of a substance called ornithine. Now, ornithine actually is uh, derived from uh, a, a, an amino acid, arginine. Arginine is most famous for the fact that it gets metabolized into nitric oxide, which is, of course, the uh, action molecule for Viagra. But it also is the action molecule for vascular tone. But back to the uh, urea cycle, arginine gets metabolized into ornithine, uh, by an enzyme called oat, which is ornithine aminotransferase, oat, oat <laughs> which is a vitamin B6-dependent enzyme. And what happens when you look at the chart, you take some arginine from your diet. Now, where does arginine come from? Well, crab, lobster, shrimp, also white meats like chicken and pork, but it can come from nuts and pumpkin seeds. These are uh, foods that are high in arginine. Uh, red meat actually is fairly okay. It has a little bit of arginine, but certainly not as much as chicken. Anyway, so the arginine then is put into the urea cycle, some of which becomes urea, which comes out in the urine, but some of which goes on to an amino acid called ornithine. Ornithine then is metabolized by oat, uh, that's the enzyme that is vitamin B6 pyridoxine dependent into pyrolocarboxylate uh, and then finally to proline. And what happens in gyrate atrophy is 
there is, because of this high ornithine level, the retinal pigment gets poisoned. And the outer blood retinal barrier uh, gets disrupted. And the photoreceptor cells in the back of your eyes are killed off. And so what happens is your peripheral vision uh, goes potty and all you can see is central vision. So you basically can see a pinpoint in front of you, but you can't see all the things around it and ultimately it leads to total blindness. And what they have found is that these people have very high ornithine levels and the approach that has been used is a low arginine diet, that is to say a diet free of chicken, pork, lentils, nuts of various kinds, lobster, shrimp, and crab. And they get 16 to 92% reduction in ornithine by that diet. But that seems like a lot of trouble. If you simply take more vitamin B6, what happens is 30% of the ornithine uh, in your circulation gets suppressed because you're moving the ornithine through the cycle more rapidly at the oat level that you do have. That Again, oat stands for ornithine aminotransferase. It's an enzyme. Uh, but if you take lysine for very uh, complex reasons, increasing lysine in your diet will actually suppress the arginine. And by taking vitamin B6, then if you are just a little bit of diet conscious, you could probably manage your gyrate atrophy and avoid blindness. So for those folks who might be suffering from gyrate atrophy or are concerned about it, this is an approach. Let's talk about muscle cramps as we sort of Ooh. wind towards the end of things. I always, uh, I always get muscle cramps in my right calf. Yeah. Uh, muscle cramps are indeed a common problem, especially as we get a bit older. And a lot of times it's due to muscle fatigue from disuse or overuse. If you're an exercise person, uh, the muscle fatigue comes from too much exercise and stressing the muscle. But if you're a couch potato, uh, the muscles don't get enough use and they'll tend to spasm on you. Uh, when you're doing things like working in the hot sun, you can get electrolyte depletion, especially in the summer. And what happens here is you waste calcium, magnesium, potassium, and sodium salts. And what happens then is you get a spasm. Now let's go back to earlier where we were talking about the evils of the statins to, to lower your cholesterol. And frankly, if you're having rhabdomyolysis, one of the ways that'll show up is muscle weakness, muscle spasm. Again, if you're on statins, monitor your muscle levels and look at your urine. But there's some medical conditions that are prone towards um, spasm. Again, we come up with diabetes, but Parkinson's disease, various cardiovascular diseases, and cirrhosis and strangely enough, pregnancy. There can be nerve damage as a cause of muscle spasm, and if you've had severe prior injury to that part or that limb, that also can be related to your cramping muscles. Hmm. The easiest solution to it is stretch out the cramped muscles. And what about water? Does that help? 
Water without electrolytes? No, not so good. Okay, so you need electrolytes in there. You've got to have some salt in there somewhere. Now, a lot of times, to straighten it out, if it's a calf uh, spasm, you simply stand up and gently put weight on your uh, cramped leg and uh, bend your knee and then put a little more weight on it, and that'll relieve the cramp. Or you can massage it. In fact, people who have muscle spasms should probably get routine massages. Now, we were talking about electrolytes. Uh, A thing that I have heard of but never purchased is a thing called pickle juice. Apparently, a small amount of pickle juice relieves cramping within seconds. I don't know what's special about pickle juice, but I'm guessing there are electrolytes in there. Hmm. Okay. Now, they say also that you can work off or prevent uh, cramping with light exercise, jogging in place before you go to bed at night for a few seconds, walking up and down a set of stairs helps, or get on your stationary bike for just a couple of minutes, or you can use a rowing machine for just a few minutes, and that'll prevent the cramps for most of the day. But as far as supplements go, you can add some B12. Sometimes that's said to be beneficial. But magnesium is your principal uh, supplement that helps this sort of stuff along with salt. And you can take salt in various forms, everything from potato chips to Gatorade to salt tablets. Now, there's some natural muscle relaxants uh, that occur in the world of nature that includes chamomile tea. Also, capsaicin, the stuff in, that uh, comes from peppers, is said to improve cramping. Now, we uh, in my office uh, issue Bill's lotion to people with those problems. But in the world in general of medicine, there are prescription medicines that are muscle relaxants. <clears throat> this would include baclofen, all of the benzodiazepines, the Valium class, Ativan class, Xanax class uh, medicines, and Soma, uh, but also Scalaxin and Robaxin, which is uh, methylcarbamylol. But uh, the problem with all of those prescription muscle relaxants is almost all of them are addicting. And once you're addicted, if you stop taking a benzodiazepine, cramping for weeks and months after you stop is the rule and uh, quite a problem. So you want to try to use the most uh, benign form of treatment possible. You know, get into an exercise program. Make sure you take supplemental magnesium and uh, that you get adequate amount of salt in your diet. A lot of people avoid salt these days thinking that by avoiding salt, they're avoiding high blood pressure, and that's backwards. It is. Yeah, your body actually always handles salt very well until you get high blood pressure. Thank At which you, point folks. in time, the salt gets mishandled by the kidneys. Thank you, folks, for uh, being here. If you want to make an appointment with Dr. Summers, pretty easy. 878-0192. That's 878-0192. Better yet, if you want to pick up his memory vitalizer in Life Imagine, you can get it at local stores, including... Sharon Care Pharmacy in Belen, Durant Central Pharmacy, Sam's Region Pharmacy, Best Buy Pharmacy, Manal Pharmacy, Evergreen Herbal Market in Rio Rancho, Hubba Moses Country Store on 4th Street, The Village Apothecary in Cedar Crest, Care Drug in Aztec, Sierra Blanca Pharmacy in Rio Doso, New Mexico, or also visit online memoryvitalizer.net, lifelink.com, or order direct at 800 
800-606-0192. That's 800-606-0192. Another great addition, Dr. Summers. Thank you for being here. Live show next week. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Stay tuned. Jeffrey Candelaria's Straight Talk is next. Oh, oh, oh.